Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson, and Nerdette is a show where we talk to your favorite or soon-to-be-favorite people. And this week, we are talking with one of our favorite scientist comedians who love wearing lab coats and bow ties ever. Yep, we're talking about... Bill Nye the Science Guy! I recently had the delightful pleasure of interviewing Bill in front of 2,000 really great nerds in Asheville, North Carolina. A lot of them were high schoolers, which was extra awesomely cool. Bill was the keynote speaker at the Collider's Climate City Expo, and he was awesome. We talked about climate change and vaccines and Bill's new show for grown-ups on Netflix called Bill Nye Saves the World. Welcome, welcome to the show. I'm Bill Nye, and I'm here to save the world. As you'll see, in front of a live audience, turns out Bill loves a good rant. Please help me welcome Bill Nye. Yes! Bill, I think they like you. Good to see you. Thank you all for coming. (laughs) Any questions on what we've covered so far? (laughs) So it seems to me... Not only with climate change, but with a number of other issues, there seems to be a pretty significant societal aversion to science. To science? These days. Yeah, the world is flat. Sure it is. You know? And well, and I think about, like, vaccines, too. Oh, so vaccines. Everybody, another strong opinion. Sorry, that's why you come for controversy. Okay. There's a guy who's a physician from, from Kentucky, Rand Paul. He's a physician. He's a doctor. He wants you to have the freedom to choose whether or not to get vaccinated. A fine, charming idea in a way. But I have rights too. I'm an individual. I'm a voter. If you do not get vaccinated, you become an incubator, a Petri dish for whatever it is, measles, chickenpox, or the development in as adult shingles, that's a new strain that I don't have an, uh, antibodies for. In other words, your reckless behavior is killing me, and that sucks. So, you guys, there is a deep irony to your point, Greta, that these educated yuppies have got it in their heads that because kids were diagnosed with autism about the same weekend they got certain vaccinations, one thing caused the other. Correlation is not causation, as we say. So you guys, no, if we were all living in in one town, and Asheville would be about the right size, 
you would not have this problem. Everybody would get vaccinated. If one, if you have a classroom of, uh, now I'm doing this from memory, it, this is about right. If you have 20 kids in a classroom and one of them has measles, is not vaccinated, that kid can infect the whole school. The measles is uh, obnoxious. Really hard, it sticks around. Well, and there and, was an outbreak in New York. Yeah, yeah, and Washington week, right? State, my yeah. beloved Washington yeah. State, yeah. And you guys, I have rights too. You have rights too. You can't, you can't join the military without getting vaccinated because you can't have people in the battlefield infecting the whole battalion. You guys, vaccinations goes back to the 1700s. This is not some new freaking thing. It's 300-year-old proven technology. And I'm sorry, I know, I know, we should be telling stories and engaging people and listening to the other side and being open-minded and cheerful no matter what silly thing people say. But you guys, vaccinations, is, it's not a gray area. And the people that become the most pro-vaccinators and vaccinatrixes, for you Latin scholars, are people who have kids who've gotten sick. Uh, and okay, we're going to cut funding to the CD, to the Centers for Disease Control. There's bad ideas, and then there's that. <laughs> wow. When I was in when I was in elementary school, there was a guy with polio. You do not want polio. <laughs> Nobody wants to get sick, so just cut it out. And I, I feel like this is something that you're really trying to fight against with your Netflix show, Bill Nye oh, Saves, saves the, world. the World. Turn it up loud. Saves 25 the episodes. World. Watch them all. Which, unlike Bill Nye the Science Guy, is geared towards adults. Yeah. And as you say in like the opening introduction of the first episode of Bill Nye Saves the World, this show is about tackling important and controversial issues from scientific points of view. Yes. Well, and it just gets me wonder, how much do you consider the idea of balance with some of these issues? So another really important idea in science and what's called skeptical thinking, uh -huh. and I'm, by skeptical thinking, um, uh, that's a formal idea. That is to say, it's a little bit of a rigorous idea. The current phrase that's really good is critical thinking. Mm -hmm. It uh, used to be called um, reasoning or logic, but right now it's, people use the term critical thinking. It's a fine phrase. So it's based on claims mm -hmm. or assertions or I, I say this is true and then you got to... Whoever makes the claim has to provide the evidence. Mm -hmm. So if you say the earth is flat, you really have to come up with some extraordinary evidence for the earth being flat. That's one where you can't as a viewer of television, a reader of literature, or a, a, a commentary, scientific paper, or the news, that's not one guy for, one guy against. The earth is not flat. I mean, no, stop it. You know, yeah. And so, this, in the case of climate change, for decades, I would go on there with Mark Morano or Joe Bastardi. These are climate deniers, hardcore climate deniers, that are directly or indirectly on the fossil fuel payroll to uh, introduce doubt about the scientific evidence for climate change. And so in journalism, you'd go on CNN, MS, or let alone Fox News, you'd go in there 
and it'll be two guys, me and the other guy, as though it's 50-50. Right. <laughs> but the evidence for climate change is like the evidence for the world being round. I mean, it's overwhelming. And so at some point, we, as consumers of news on the outside, hope that you, as hard-hitting investigative journalists, uh, we hope that you guys eventually will stop presenting climate change as though it's a 50-50 thing. I mean, the, no, I mean, really, it's, it's not. And, you know, I know you guys can shoot the messenger, Bill Nye's, and, it, and so, I, I mean, I'm thoroughly charmed by the personal attacks on Twitter and Facebook, but I remind you all that they're all personal attacks against me. Bill Nye's an idiot. All he took was whatever, eight semesters of calculus. How can he read a graph or whatever? Uh, but they're not, the attacks are not against the science, not anymore. They're, against, they're at, so-called in Latin, you'd say ad hominem, to the man attacks. Yeah. Bill Nye Saves the World. Bill Nye Saves the World. Is your Netflix show. I feel like you made several really strategic, interesting choices in terms of the components that you wanted to have in this show. Can you talk a little bit about that? No, I you was pick really fascinated. one. The idea of representing, like, a scientist can look like a lot of different things. Yes. You know, and especially hey, the... science is the best idea people have ever had. So, uh, and to this point, half the people in the world are girls and women, so let's have this half the scientists and engineers be women. What the heck? It's a big deal. My mother apparently was very good at science, but if you asked her, she would say, I can't talk about it. <laughs> My whole life, Yes. First thing in that first episode of Bill Nye Saves the World, you talk about how a lot has changed since the Science Guy show started in the early 90s, but that the process of science hasn't changed. I feel like you hinted at that a little bit with the idea of critical thinking, but can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so, the, okay, so, uh, when I was in school, when I was in high school, peoples, the skill that we had to learn was how to find information. You had to learn to look things up in the card catalog in the library. Imagine you've had, they put you through a little bit of this, yes. But uh, the challenge now is to sort out the border or the, the information that may not be true. And the example I still, you know, as a science educator, I still love the tree octopus. For those of you who've never looked up the tree octopus, it's big fun. This is an octopus that lives in the tree uh, climbs up in the tree, jumps down on fish, eats it, climbs back up Wait. in the tree, and has a mucus layer that protects it. Seriously? No. <laughs> there is no such thing. But you go to the website, and it's layer after layer, and how the loggers in the northwest in Oregon didn't like the tree octopus because it was in the, the trees they were trying to cut down. and you know, No such thing. There is a huge myth that cow exhaust is causing methane in the atmosphere. Uh, no, it's actually cow burps. It's coming out the other end. And so once that myth is out there, it's, uh, it's a problem to get rid of it. So the skill we want for everybody now is how to sort information, the critical thinking. That's the new thing we need, but it's all part of the scientific method.
After the break, more very important questions for Bill Nye. Do you have moon rocks? No. Moon rocks are really expensive, you guys. You're listening to Nerdette. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. All right, we are back with more from my conversation with Bill Nye in Asheville, North Carolina. In this next bit, we're going to talk to Bill about bow ties, of course, optimism, and your favorite Mars rovers, which have the most virtuous names like opportunity and curiosity. Speaking of speaking of the curiosity rover on Mars, yes, high so- school peoples, very reasonable that you will be alive when evidence of life or even life, its actual living life, is found on another world. And were that to happen, this world would change completely. We wouldn't all start driving on the other side of the street, uh, but everybody would feel differently about being a living thing. Everybody would just have a different relationship to the cosmos. And so I'm excited for you. I'm hoping I make it. And, you know, I'm head of the Planetary Society trying to influence especially government spending on what missions to fly, what spacecraft to build, and where to go looking on Mars, and especially Europa, the moon of Jupiter, with twice as much ocean water as the Earth. Uh, And it would just really be, it would just be an extraordinary thing. And the amount of money we spend on it is nothing. It's nothing. Two billion bucks a year. I spend that at Starbucks. No, I mean, it's less than 0.04% of the federal budget, what we spend on planetary missions. And it changes the world. Changes the world. Yes, Greta, lead on, sorry. Rambling man. Okay, so this is a question from someone named Summer. And Summer wants to know, how did you feel when the rover opportunity passed away? And Summer says she cried. But I was okay with it. You know, I had a tiny role on that mission that means a great deal to me, Greta. Do you really? Know this? No, yes. I didn't know that. You're not just shining me on? No, All please right, tell so, me. Go on. So I mentioned earlier my father, who was a prisoner of war. So he was captured uh, by the Japanese. They confiscated all their jewelry, including their wristwatches. And so he, by his account, you know, this is, he was a, a storyteller. He would watch the shadow of shovel handles, and he became fascinated with sundials. So I grew up with, he wrote a book about sundials. If you've ever been, is anybody here not a member of the North American Sundial Society? Is there anybody here? (laughs) But when when you're with my crew, it's just a bunch of people, you know, just. It's pretty, it's pretty good. It's moving. The shadow's moving. <laughs> and so I thought as a teenage kid, I thought, this is not good. Ah, sundials are silly, Dad. Come on. You know. 
But I got invited to a meeting uh, at Cornell University because the guys, Jim Bell and Steve Squires, these guys, the principal investigators, the PIs, on the mission that became Opportunity mm-hmm. and, and Spirit, these two MER, Mars Exploration Rovers, they had kids that watched the Science Guy show. So they had this stick, this um, metal stick, about this tall, they're going to put on the rover made of aluminum to send to Mars to do nothing but cast a shadow. Because they realized in the 1970s, in 1976, the Viking landers landed on Mars. Mm -hmm. Viking 1 landed on July 4th, 1976, 200th anniversary of signing the Declaration of Independence. F your I. Um, uh, anyway. Did you just say they, F your I? For your information. I say that too. I've never met anyone else who says F your I. Do, 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 do. It's only three letters. <laughs> Crying out loud. That, I'm gratified. Like, okay. you know, great minds. Okay. So... I was in this, they found, they realized, 1970s, they got the colors of the rocks wrong for a couple days. The electronic calibration of the cameras they had on Earth was not as perfectly suited to the environment of Mars. It took a day and a half or whatever it was to sort it out. They didn't want that to happen again. Here was a trick. If you look at the shadow of something white, on the, like here, my shirt is good. You can see the shadow is gray. Thank you, Bill. Uh-huh. Wow, thank you. That's really Great. good, Bill. But if you look here, you can see the shadow is also a little bit blue from these lights. And everybody who's able-bodied, everybody who has regular eyesight, can tell the difference between daylight and room light. But most of us can't really specify why you can tell the difference. But a lot of it is the Earth's sky. The Earth's sky is a big source of blue light. In other words, the light that hits the sundial doesn't just come from the sun. It comes from all over the place. And so on Mars, the shadow is quite blue. If you just take them, just relax your eyes with something white, you can tell it's blue. On Mars, it's really orange or kind of pink. And so I was in this meeting, and they had this metal stick. Oh, you guys, we got to make that into a sundial. Come on. (laughs) And they were like, Bill, dude. Seriously? It's the, it's the space program, you know. Bill, we see you're wearing a watch. No, it'll be like, it'll be, it'll be like speaking Klingon, you know, except it'll be real. I see a few Trek fans. Klingon's not real. I'm sorry. It's not real. But they, they so there's three sundials on Mars, and one of them was on, or is on the uh, Opportunity rover. So Jim Bell, the principal investigator on the cameras, said, you know, that rover was supposed to last three months, but it lasted uh, 15 years. So I've had a job every day on that <laughs> rover for 15 years. <laughs> and then he says, I hate that rover. <laughs> yeah, so he's being funny. That was an extraordinary mission. You talk about your tax dollars at work, you guys. Um, it would be like having a car with a three-year warranty and ha- without rotating the tires, without changing the windshield wiper blades, let alone the oil or windshield washer fluid or whatever the hell else you're going to do. be like having it running 120 years later. Wow. It's really 
you guys, that's an extraordinary value, yeah. you know. And so those two rovers, Spirit and Opportunity, because they've gone on so long, went on so long, the mission's got to be about a billion dollars in overall cost over the last 20 years. And let me tell you about those two rovers. They're sitting on Mars. They're not even locked. <laughs> Anybody could just walk up to them. I kid. Yes, Greta, lead on. This might be my favorite one, though there are a lot of really good ones in here. Uh, we can go to the lightning round if we need to. Yeah, let's lightning round it, actually. Do you have moon rocks? No. Moon rocks are really expensive, you guys. Uh, the, you know, if you were to reckon the cost of Apollo, the Apollo program... Oh, we have an audience member with a moon rock. Did you hear that? He has one? Somebody hollered that they've got one. Okay. <laughs> be careful with it. Yeah. Okay, can I ask you another one? Uh, anyway, no, no, just it would be, you know, the cost of Paul would be one and a half, one and a third interstate highway systems. Oh, okay. So if you have a moon rock, just consider how valuable Hold it on is. To it. Yeah. Uh, how many bow ties do you have? About 500. 500. <laughs> So how do you... They are, don't wear out, you know? Do you ever, like, Marie Kondo the bow ties? Do are you what, familiar with? I mean, give them away or something? What, yeah, like, do you ever pick one up and think, does this bring me joy, and then decide no and bring it to goodwill? I, I do, yeah, I get... You do do that? I, I process them. This one I'm wearing... Yeah, tell me asked, about that one. This is one of the Bill Nye Nick Graham collection. So we're just about out of time, but... What?! Yeah, I oh, know. Come on, you got a whole stack. Lightning round. I, Bill, <laughs> tighten it up. No, I have, I have one more question that I think will wrap things up, which is there are a fair number of young people here tonight, and I wonder, you know, you've talked a little bit about how it's kind of on them to, to save us yes. all. But what's your advice to them? Uh, you have to be optimistic. People get, you know, there have been... Well, thank you. Bill's optimistic. Well... No, he's delusional. Uh, no, so there have been end-of-the-world stories since the beginning of time, apocalyptic science fiction since the beginning of time. The apocalypse, for those of you who don't know that word, is bad. <laughs> that's when the world ends. But that's been around, for, those ideas have been around forever. And it go, if you don't believe me, it goes back to Noah's flood, mm -hmm. which I'm sure was based on a real flood to people who lived in Mesopotamia, that part of what we now call the Middle East. And they lost everything one day, and it didn't dry out for a long time, and the people were killed and disappeared, and it sucked. So those stories have been around for at least 5,000 human years. Who knows how long before that? So... If you're not optimistic, you won't get anything done. I'm not saying there won't be challenges. It's going to be easy. When Pearl Harbor was bombed, people expressed deep concern, and they got together and solved this problem. There did not used to be a Department of Homeland Security until there was the attack of 9-11, 2001. I mean, so when climate change gets to be seriouser and seriouser, people will get to work, and they will address these problems technologically. That is to say, clean water, renewable electricity, access to the internet. But we also need uh, political action. We need, especially, we need political action. We need 
new laws, new regulations that are well suited to the future. We need new investments, new ways to manage money for the future. And we need to include everybody. Everybody you will ever meet knows something you don't. I guarantee you. And uh, so everybody, everybody is going to contribute to this. And the model of World War II, I just can't get over. I mean, it was as my mother said when, the, when Pearl Harbor happened, it was as though the world ended. Her boyfriend, my father, disappeared. You know, Wake Island, the radio was bombed and destroyed the first morning. Done. Nobody, there, nobody, there was no Twitter, no Instagram. <laughs> nobody knew what happened to these guys. And so everybody panicked and got, or buckled down and, and solved the problem. So we can do this. The problem with climate change, as I say, it's happening in slow motion, but it is happening faster and faster. And so... Uh, just think how much it would suck if we were having tornadoes in Brooklyn. Florence, Michael, um, uh, who was the other guy? The tornado, Ivan, uh, Katrina. If we were having these events and we didn't know what was happening and we didn't know the cause, that would really be concerning, yeah? But we do know, so let's, let's do this. Let's do everything all at once. Let's go. Yes, that's it. No more. Are there lightning yeah, round yeah, questions? Yeah. No, this reminds me of one of my very favorite quotes from one of my very favorite shows, which is Leslie Nope in Parks and Rec. She says, find your team and get to work. Bill Nye, thank you very thank much. Thank you, Greta. Let's change the world, people. Thank you. I gotta say, after talking with Bill, I mean, climate change is just like such a messy, complicated, kind of terrifying topic. And I did feel a lot better after talking to him because I don't know, like his whole attitude is that we're going to figure it out. There's a lot of really smart people, especially young people. And I don't mean to just like put the problem on all y'all. But then again, that's exactly what Margaret Atwood did to me when I talked to her. So it, it feels fair. I'm just passing it along, you know. The show is produced by me, Greta Johnson, along with Justin Bull. Our co-creator is Trisha Bobita, and our executive producer is Brendan Banaszak. Nerdette is supported in part by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science and technology in the modern world. Many thanks to The Collider for bringing me to North Carolina to talk to Bill. We have literally hundreds of other episodes that I bet you would like, like the delightful, mustachioed Canadian astronaut Chris Hadfield. He's the guy who covered Bowie in space. You can find that episode on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also approaching 1,000 reviews on Apple Podcasts. Be a hero and help us get there. We have a newsletter. It's pretty fun. It comes out on Mondays. I usually put links to something to read, something to eat, and something to watch. Sometimes there's cool corgi stuff in there, too. You can find a sign-up link on our Facebook page. Just search for Nerd Up Podcast and click on the blue sign-up button. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.